1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. If you wear glasses or contact lenses, you know they can be really pricey. And I want to talk to you about places that can save you a ton on them. But first, I've talked about Tesla so much that I need to address the investigation in the autopilot system. And of course, I'm going to answer your questions. So, in 2015, I bought a Tesla that had their first version of autopilot. And in my TV work, did a TV story, and we had the the Tesla hooked up with cameras all over the place. And so, in the story, you see me clicking a lever twice in the car, and then it just took over driving itself and down the freeway it would stay perfectly in its lane and automatically adjusted the speed in front of it and this was an early Tesla adaptation of autopilot and it was not flawless but it worked amazingly well and so we finished the TV story and The news director of the TV station decided that she wanted it to be lawyered because it just freaked her out the idea that a vehicle would be driving itself. So the lawyers uh, watered down the story and aired it with an excess of caution, and then it aired with the edits. And so I was pretty annoyed by that. But now, there's a full-fledged federal investigation of the Tesla autopilot system. And this is after six years of use, a lot of revisions over the years, an updated autopilot technology that Tesla writes the code for. What I used in 2015 was done by a third-party company, an overseas company. And the investigation going on involves Teslas that traffic will be stopped for an emergency up ahead. And Teslas uh, about a dozen times have not recognized the uh, emergency responders and all that and runs right into the vehicles that are stopped. At least that's the allegations that the feds are investigating. And I know that there's so many people I've talked to who the idea of letting the vehicle drive is just beyond terrifying, that you feel such a loss of control. And the reality is I've now been using this technology for six years, seen the improvements, and I'll go back to the initial autopilot that I had. I remember once being on a five-lane freeway, there was five lanes each way, and it was afternoon sun was shining down, sun low on the horizon, and suddenly the Tesla didn't know where it was, and no warning, no beeps, nothing started driving at a diagonal across the lanes. Now, let me tell you, that was pretty unsettling, and today nothing like that happens with the autopilot. I don't have any issues like that and I've found it to be actually a much better driver on a road trip than I am. Because if you're on a multi-hour, over-the-road trip, as an individual, you get, uh, you know, you kind of zone out. You get fatigued. And truth be told, you're not that great a driver as you go through the hours. But the vehicle continues driving straight down that line and the latest version automatically passes slower traffic. It looks around, scans, decides it's clear in the left lane, moves around and passes, puts on the turn signal and moves around, moves back over to the right after it's passed. And it works extremely well. Is it perfect? No way. And I don't know why but we accept the fact that we as humans are generally, well, we don't think we're terrible drivers, but we do think everybody else on the road is a terrible driver, and which is a human nature thing that we always think we're above average and everybody else is below average on the roads. But we expect automation to be flawless and perfect. Now, the biggest issue with the Tesla system, the Cadillac version, the system Mercedes is putting in vehicles now, is that as a driver, you get lulled into inattention. That you become so confident in the vehicle's ability to operate over the open road that you stop paying attention. Every one of those accidents, as best I could tell from what I've read about them, would not have occurred if the driver was paying attention, but there's a tendency after a while to become overconfident in the various automakers' autopilot. Now, Krista, we were on a staff trip to Ireland. I don't remember if you were in the vehicle.
2: I was. I know what you're. We were talk in about. a <laughs>
1: we were in a Hyundai, and we came into a little village, and the Hyundai had a advanced system that supposedly would keep Keep you in the lane. Keep you in the lane and uh, handle the speed. And we came around a curve, and all of a sudden, the the Hyundai was still going straight, (laughs) and the road (laughs) bent to the right. And I'm on the wrong side of the road to start with because the Irish and the British and the Australians and a few others, South Africans, drive on Japanese The what we consider to be the wrong side of the road. So I'm already having to mentally adapt to that. And we are going straight for somebody's mailbox. I mean, just straight for it. And I grab the wheel and not very gracefully get us back in the lane. So this is a problem with any of these autopilot systems, particularly when you're not on an interstate type road.
2: Well, and, you know, Irish roads. I mean, come on.
1: (laughs) Okay, well.
2: I I remember that. I remember it very clearly. We were coming back from the Cliffs of Moher, and you were driving us, and, you know, there's the stone walls everywhere. It was a super windy road. I mean, I wouldn't trust, you know, my car to drive me there for sure.
1: Well, I obviously had too much faith in that uh, Hyundai self-drive thing, and I would not make that mistake again but the reality is if i was looking down we would have run right off the road yeah
2: you have to pay attention for sure
1: and so we're this is this is a way station we're on the way to where vehicles will be able to drive autonomously but we're not there yet and the hardest thing is dealing in this intermediate phase with you actually paying attention like a pilot flying a plane on autopilot he or she is monitoring what that autopilot is doing and if they don't monitor that autopilot there's danger that can occur and so it's part of the job to pay attention I know with air safety investigators there's the same worry that airline pilots over time become so comfortable with the autopilot automation, that they may not be paying enough attention. So, I don't know exactly how you fix that, but to expect these systems to be 100% perfect all the time, that's not realistic, at least not for a long time. And know that we as humans are far from perfect, in fact, very imperfect. Krista? Okay, Dexter
2: in New Jersey says, I've heard on multiple episodes your stance on extended warranties for automobiles. I'm about to take delivery of a new Model 3 and wanted to know your thoughts on purchasing extended warranties for electric vehicles. Tesla does not offer an extended warranty, so the only possibility would be through a third party. What do you think? Is it worth shopping for an additional warranty given that EVs are so expensive to fix?
1: Dexter, I would say definitely not. Uh, you know, I'm neutral on vehicle extended warranties, but the only ones I ever want you to buy are the ones from the manufacturer. Since Tesla only offers a warranty when you buy a certified use from them that goes beyond the manufacturer's original new vehicle warranty, I would say you pass. The thing with most EVs is there's far fewer components that can break. The maintenance issues far less often and repair far less often than with a gas engine vehicle. When something does go wrong, you are right, Dexter, the cost of that repair will be pretty expensive. But you got to be really unlucky in life's lottery to have a number of repair problems or episodes involving a Tesla or other electric vehicles.
2: And this is from Michael in Wisconsin. I just learned about a new credit card from everyone's favorite criminal enterprise that I hadn't (laughs) heard much buzz about. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Card. It's a 2% cash back on everything Visa card that has a sign up bonus, which is rare for 2% cash back cards. Also, since it's a Visa, it can be used at Costco for those of us who don't have a Costco credit card because we just use one card for everything. I don't like the company, but I might just get one to take their $200 sign up bonus and
1: run. So, Michael, um, it was funny because we had a meeting talking about how do we handle this Wells Fargo card on our credit card reviews on Clark.com because my opinions of Wells Fargo are pretty well known. As you referred to them, I call them the criminal enterprise impersonating a bank. The good news is that credit cards involve very little latitude for a company to really, really mistreat you. And so it's the lowest risk of activities you could engage with with Wells Fargo. They are truly offering 2% cash back. They are offering the upfront bonus that many people are eligible for. So as long as you go in with your eyes wide open, I think it's just fine for you to get the Wells Fargo 2% cash back card. Did I just say that?
2: All right. And from Anonymous in Wisconsin, I'm in my early 30s and I currently max out my Roth 401k and my Roth IRA at low cost or no cost index funds, in low cost or no cost index funds. My 401k has the option to make additional after-tax contributions. However, there is no option for in-plan conversion, i.e. a backdoor Roth. Since the earnings on these after-tax contributions will be taxed, am I better off opening an investment account with one of your favorite children and investing in a stock market index, or are there still tax advantages to making the after-tax contributions in the 401k?
1: So, by the way, in your early 30s, you're a savings maniac. Maxing out your Roth 401k, maxing out your Roth IRA, and wanting to save more money. This is something we never talk about because almost nobody does even what you're doing. I think it's somewhere between one5 and 3% of people do what you're doing, maxing out a 401k and a Roth each year. So a number of companies have an after-tax additional contribution you can do to a 401k. This requires more reading on your part because there are potential ways to take that money and ultimately have it as additional Roth money, which makes it a tremendous benefit to you. But it does require additional research on your part. This would be a situation that might be appropriate for you to talk with somebody with Garrett Planning Network or to talk with somebody with XY Financial Planners, which are both fee-only planning services That charge a monthly fee instead of being based on assets in the case of XY or an hourly rate in the case of Garrett. Because this can be potentially a tremendous opportunity to someone who's a savings maniac like you are. And that is great, great stuff.
2: And from Rick in Indiana, I'm a T Mobile customer. Reports of a data breach earlier this week indicate that personal information was released including IMEI numbers. Should I ask T-Mobile to replace my phone? I believe this breach is a severe security risk that compromises not only the phone, but also all of the data on it.
1: So Rick, as best I've been able to find by reading on the various cell phone blogs, the most important thing for you to do is to change the pin on your T-Mobile account. That would be a key piece of protection you can put in place. But it is a risk with, if in fact the IMEI numbers have fallen in the hands of criminals, it could potentially create a risk for some version of phone cloning that would be used to get into your existing financial accounts. The larger issue with the T-Mobile data breach is the criminals have your social security number potentially and other key pieces of data that would allow a full takeover of your identity. And for that reason, the first thing I would do if you've not done so already is put in place a credit freeze with the three major credit bureaus that would prevent somebody from applying for new credit as if they're you. You can see step-by-step step how to do that at Clark.com slash creditfreeze. And straight ahead i'm four eyes i've worn glasses since i was like five years old i tried to wear contacts years ago i couldn't but i'm going to tell you whether you're four eyes like me or you wear contacts or you have both i'm going to tell you how to save money on them
0: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. Armor All. Less work, more clean. Terms apply.
1: I have had to wear eyeglasses since I was very young and Uh, gosh, as a very young child, I had something called a lazy eye and I had a patch over one eye that I called my pirate patch and I had to see out of the other eye. And then eventually my lazy eye supposedly got better. Although I've always cocked my head a little bit cattywampus because of the time that I wore the patch. Aw. Yeah. Sad story, right? (laughs) But what's more sad is that I've had to wear glasses since I was a young single digit. And getting glasses can make you really sad because of how expensive they can be. But the great news is with eyeglasses, at least, you don't get what you pay for. Meaning, paying more does not get you a better experience. It might get you a worse one. The latest ratings from Consumer Reports magazine find that the three highest rated places in overall satisfaction are all discounters for eyeglasses. Costco number one with an unheard of 89 overall satisfaction score. That is through the roof for a satisfaction score in Consumer Reports land. Warby Parker, which is a company that is both an online and physical store seller, one point behind, and one point behind them, Zenni Optical. So when place, and show all discounters. The surprising thing about Zenni being ranked number three in overall satisfaction is Zenni is an ultra-deep discounter. I mean, you might think Costco is an inexpensive place to get eyeglasses, but it's nothing like as cheap as Zenni, where Zenni runs specials off and on that make the cost of a pair of prescription eyeglasses, frames, lenses complete, including shipping, less than 20 bucks. I mean, that's quite a deal. Costco, although Costco is much, much cheaper than any of the traditional chains for eyeglasses and cheaper than also highly rated independent doctors of optometry, Costco is a real bargain price-wise. And the customer service at Costco gets a full five out of five, as it does with Warby Parker. Interestingly enough, Zenni only gets a three out of five, but the price is so cheap on glasses at Zenni, that people will put up with it. And my daughter, my middle child, Steffi, is a perfect example of somebody who takes advantage of the bargains buying her contact lenses at Costco, Kirkland Signature, their private label, contact lenses, and she buys backup pair of prescription glasses from Zenni. And so she doesn't buy both at Costco, because the glasses are backups anyway, and they're so, so inexpensive at Zenny, And she's been able to make both of those work for her. Now, there's a key thing if you're going to get glasses from any of the discounters. When you have your eyes checked by the optometrist or ophthalmologist, there's a number you need that A lot of states don't require automatically be put on your prescription for eyeglasses, but you need it from the doctor doing your examination. And it's called your PD, PD, pupillary distance. And that's required so that the glasses that you order from one of the discounters, the center of the lens will be the right distance. And it's a simple measurement that an optometrist or ophthalmologist does as part of your eye exam. They're doing it anyway, but a lot of times they will not write that number down unless you specifically ask for it. So the savings we're talking about here, I want you to think about what I said. You can get a pair of prescription glasses, frames, lenses, complete, from Zenny for less than what most people pay just for sunglasses that are non-prescription when they do specials you can get frames lenses complete including shipping for 15 bucks I mean this is very little money and at the very least you can use Zenny for your backup pair of glasses now I have an unusual situation that I have an eyeglass benefit through work so Costco is a participant in that so I get my first pair of glasses from Costco and I get my backup pair from Zenni. The places you should avoid on the Consumer Reports list are amazingly long. There are a lot of chains around the country that get extremely low scores from Consumer Reports on not just price but also customer service and the, all the categories they rate. So be careful out there. This is one category where advertising and higher prices have nothing to do with the quality of experience. And by the way, speaking of my daughter getting Kirkland Signature contact lenses, I need to give you a heads up on something that was a contest we ran On Clark.com social media and ClarkDeals.com social media, we have a new puppy in our house. And I wanted to name the puppy Aldi, A-L-D-I after the discount supermarket. And my kids revolted. My kids decided among themselves, the three of them decided and ganged up on dad that they wanted the puppy to be named Kirkland Signature after the unbelievably successful store brand name that Costco uses for all its private label goods in its store. And I really wanted Aldi. But the kids were like, well, why don't you let your followers vote? So we had a ballot at Clark Deals through social media and Clark. And it turned out, that it was nearly a 50-50 dead heat for both names and slightly higher for Kirkland Signature. And so that is the puppy's name. I lost. It just means the next dog we get, whether it's a rescue or whatever, that his or her name will be Aldi. The kids are not going to outvote me again. (laughs) And it shows the uh, split loyalty of our web visitors that it was nearly a complete dead heat for Aldi and Kirkland Signature.
2: Alright, let's get to some questions. This one's from Rom, who says, You should take a lot or at least some credit for growing the number of 529 program providers moving into the top tier. Since you and your team have done the hard part of researching the costs and fees, you could have spurred more competition by displaying those numbers to consumers. I'm sure you have a valid or at least understandable reason why you intentionally held that information back. Can you share that reasoning with us? Also, can you tell me what happens to a 529 program when the owner passes away while the name beneficiary still does not have the need?
1: So in terms of listing the actual costs, what we did was we took it by category and the all-in costs to be in the highest category of quality for a 529 tax-free college savings plan. Uh, had to be less than 0.20 of 1% per year, all in. Then the next category below 0.40, and then the final cutoff was 0.60. Couldn't, had to be cheaper than that to make it in the third and last category. So, why didn't we, for each individual state plan that we listed, list the actual expense? Because they very well vary in most cases based on the age of the child who is going to be attending college. So when a child's younger, the expenses may be higher than they'll be a little later on, and it just varies by state plan. So it became overwhelming. We could have potentially listed a range from lowest cost to highest in each state plan, but I wanted to keep it as streamlined as possible, and there was no attempt to hold back information, it was only to keep the ability to make a decision as easy as possible for a parent or grandparent putting money aside for a child's college. Typically, in a 529 plan, you as the owner name a subsequent owner. You name the successor. It's one of the things that you're usually asked when you're setting up a 529 account. The, when you're filling out the initial forms it'll ask you that if that does not exist then it varies based on how a state law works in various states many times the beneficiary would become the owner possibly depending on a state in others if you've named a person to inherit your assets in your will depending on the state it may go there but the easiest answer to this is always name a successor owner on the initial enrollment forms. And If you've not done that, you should be able to amend your plan registration with the state 529 plan to add a successor owner in the event of your untimely demise.
2: All right. And another 529, we could do an entire show with the 529 questions that have come in since you redid the guide. I mean,
1: We could do 529 shows day after day after day <laughs> because it's A concept that is simple and complicated at the same time.
2: Well, this one's from Nick in Massachusetts. I was just named the godfather of my now goddaughter, congratulations, Nick, and wanted to open a 529 plan for her. My goddaughter is my cousin's daughter, and I was wondering who might be best to name the beneficiary, since my cousin has multiple children and it may make sense to use the money for other children should my goddaughter choose not to go to college. I don't think I can name myself the beneficiary and then transfer it to my cousin. So do you think the best way to do this would be to name my cousin as the beneficiary?
1: So Nick, um, I'm going to answer that with a really odd response. So if your cousin is somebody who you really trust with how your cousin will handle money, give the money for the 529 account to your cousin to open and own the account because you can give any other individual up to $15,000 in a year without any issues at all with the IRS. And then it's already in the family. It's owned by your cousin for the benefit of your goddaughter. And then if the goddaughter ends up not needing the money to go to college, chooses not to go to college, then your cousin would be able to change the name beneficiary to another of the children. And that would be the easiest, most streamlined way to do it. But you have to trust that your cousin will follow your wishes with the money for that to be an easy solution. I want to thank you for joining us, and please visit Clark.com to see all our money-saving guides, including our newly revised 529 College Savings Plan Guide.